again, it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620, or you're listening to the podcast at investinghope.com, or Podbeam, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. You can find this show. Today, we got a lot to talk about when it comes to life and abortion. The midterms are coming up, and so maybe you've been listening over the last few weeks. You're like, man, he's talking a lot about the election. Well, it's because midterms are really close. And there's a number of things that are happening around this country that have to do with life and abortion. So you have some states that are trying to go all in and, and make abortion a state constitutional right. You have some states that are saying we need abortion all the way up to nine months. You, you have some states like Michigan that we're going to talk about here in a second that are, that are saying we need abortion, but they're also trying to uh, add things into the, into the piece of legislation that has nothing to do with abortion. But, uh, but we're, so we're going to talk about that today. But also I want to make it a point to, we're going to start with, there's a New York Times poll that looks at the most important issue for voters. Okay, so this is New York Times, Siena poll. And, you know, obviously the, the most important issue for me is the life issue, right? And so if, if you're a candidate and you're running for office and you line up with me on, you know, 90% of things, but we disagree on abortion, well, guess what? I'm never going to vote for you, okay? Like, I'm, it's just not going to happen. That's a, that's a, I'm a one-issue voter. That's the issue. And so if you're wrong on, in my opinion, if you're wrong on life, then you're wrong on a lot of things. And, and so, and, and then you, you hear from the other, <clears throat> the other side where they think I'm crazy and an extremist and a threat to democracy and they're arresting pro-life advocates. And just another one was arrested uh, this past week. The DOJ uh, have, have gone after him. And so uh, we're seeing more and more of that. I think uh, now it's been, you know, over, over 25 pro-life activists have been arrested in the last few weeks. Uh, but guess what? No one's been arrested for attacking a pregnancy center or a pro-life organization. And over almost 70 of those organizations have been attacked and not one person has been arrested, but uh, I'm sure that is just coincidence. I'm sure it has nothing to do with a a targeted, uh, you know, thing that that I'll let you in on here in in just a bit. But let's start with what's the most important issue for voters for just your everyday average voter, Democrat, Republican, Independent, just everyday people that that aren't political nerds like me, that aren't reading all these articles, that aren't looking at polls, that that aren't concerning themselves about What's happening in Washington every day and, uh, and in their state legislators? You know, that, that's when, when, a, when a person calls and they're asking questions, uh, you know, they're just going to answer. They're, they're not going to give any kind of uh, pontification, which is what I do. I got a call the other day from uh, a candidate's uh, campaign, and they said, can we count on your vote? And what did I say? Did I say yes or no? No, I said, I need to ask you a question. Where does this candidate stand on uh, the issue of life, where do they stand on the trigger ban in Tennessee? Because I need to make sure they're going to stand strong on that. And I need that to get back to this particular politician. And so I don't answer just yes or no. I'm going to have dialogue with those people. But normal people, most people, are just going to answer yes or no. So what does it say? The most important issue for voters, this is the New York Times-Siena poll, the most important economy, 26, inflation, 18%, abortion, 5%. Now, why do you think that is? Well, the economy is going to be the, the most important because especially right now, if, if times were, were good, 
So back when, back of, uh, you know, pre 2020, when the economy was booming, uh, the stock market was booming, uh, the housing market was booming, people were making a ton of money, interest rates were low. Like, economy might not be the most important issue. Why? Because things are running right along. So I got money in my bank account. I'm able to pay my electric bill, my food, taking care of my kids, like no big deal. So economy is not going to be in front of mine. Um, but you fast forward to 2022, inflation is at record highs, 8.3, 8.4%. We're seeing year over year when it comes to, to food and gas prices and the like. I mean, it is just insane. I saw a data point the other day that said, uh, 425% across the board increase on, uh, on inflation when you look dollar for dollar and, and, and the cost of goods and services. I mean, the, the numbers are insane. And so because of that, people are concerned. My, my stock market, my, my portfolio is dropping. I talked to a financial advisor yesterday and I said, you know, the goal right now is to just not look. Just not look. And he said, yeah, that's what we're telling our clients is, hey, we're going to send you a statement, but I would highly recommend you not look at it. Now, obviously, he's doing that tongue in cheek, but but it's because the market's down right now. People are concerned about their pensions. Uh, thousands and thousands of dollars have been lost over the last year when it comes to uh, retirement. We, we see that in the UK, they're they're worried that their pension system for the UK is going to go bankrupt. And so they're looking at ways of how they can shore that up. So, so if, if you're reading those news articles and you're seeing that the gas of, or the cost of gas is still high. I mean, for Tennesseans, the cost of gas, you know, anywhere around 330, 340 right now, that's high. But if you're in California, they've tipped over $7 a gallon. And this isn't because of greedy, you know, people that own gas stations, which is what some in, in Washington would want to tell you. This is, just because we made some bad, uh, bad decisions. We, we've, we were energy independent, and then we took that away. And we're encouraging all these other folks. We're encouraging Venezuela and OPEC and all them to increase production. But yet we're saying we're not going to increase production because of you know, this or that reason. But we need you to do it because we need it. We've, we've expended most of our oil reserves. So we're seeing these things play out. We're seeing the president eating ice cream over the weekend and saying that the economy's booming. Yeah, I mean, that, what a, terrible optics. When, when people are, are trying to figure out heat costs this winter. I mean, we, we saw that in the Northeast, I saw an article this, this weekend that said in the Northeast, they're already telling folks in some places there will be moments in the coldest months of the year, where between a, a few hours in the evening, you may not be able to, we're, we're going to have blackouts in America because of heat. And so we, we, as the Wood family, we built our first fire last night in the house. We have a fireplace. I, I cut wood and have wood uh, ready to go. But that's not going to be able to warm my entire house. It'll be able to warm part of it. But it will supplement the heat cost. And then you have some folks in Washington saying, well, even doing that is, is dangerous to the climate. And so we need you to stop burning wood and just freeze. And so we're, we're at an interesting place. But, but that's why when we look at polls and people are like, what's the most important thing? They're saying economy. They're saying inflation because they can see that in their, in their bank account. 
they see that they're having to make choices. Well, do we go and buy this? Do we go on that trip? Do we do this or that? Do we have that renovation done at the house that we've been holding off on? We put money back to save for. Do we keep that money because now we don't know what the future holds? Or do we go and take that trip? Or do we go and do this or do that? And then when it comes to abortion, it's down on the list. Because most people are like, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't go to bed thinking about abortion. I don't wake up thinking about abortion. I mean, when, it, when it's in front of me, I deal with it. When, you know, if I have a friend that, that's facing an unplanned pregnancy, we may have a conversation about it. But I'm not looking to talk about that at the dinner table. That, that's most people. Now, look, I, I talk about it a lot because it's kind of what we do. And I want it to stay in front of mine because I want people to know what abortion is and what it's doing. But you've even seen in the debates as of late. So, so if you've been paying attention, you, you have uh, Herschel Walker and Warnock in Georgia debated the other day. They're running for Senate. You know, Warnock's the, the incumbent. Walker is, is running as the GOP candidate. Herschel Walker, if you'll remember, played for Georgia, a great football player. And, and then you, you have Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp running for governor in the state of Georgia. You have other candidates. You have Blake Masters and Mark Kelly in Arizona. You have Carrie Lake running for governor in, in Arizona, and her opponent refuses to debate with her. And, and I've even seen some folks try to bring abortion back to the forefront. I've seen left-leaning media try to bring abortion back to the forefront. Why? Because they believe that's a winning issue for them. But here's, here's the amazing thing. They believe it's a winning issue. But it's really not. You know how I know that? Because when they bring it up, none of these candidates will articulate their position. And this is what I've said since Roe was overturned. We now are in a place where you are going to have to defend your position on abortion. Period. For, for decades, you were able to simply say it's a woman's right because of Roe. So you didn't have to defend your position. They would say, do you believe there's any restrictions? And you could just say it's a woman's right. We don't even need to have this conversation. Now, we would want to have that conversation, and they would just keep saying it's a woman's right. It's very similar. The, the illustration I've given over the years is when I was in high school, I would argue about uh, to buddies about whether they should drink or not. And we would go back and forth, back and forth. And I would always end by saying, well, you're not 21. It's against the law. So, so up until Roe is overturned, we're having this discussion on abortion, and you were able to, as a, an abortion proponent, simply say it's the law of the land, so end of discussion. Well, now you can't say that. So now what we're seeing is when Stacey Abrams or when Warnock is asked about abortion, when Mark Kelly is asked about abortion, they look like deer in the headlights because they, they know that if they articulate where they stand, and they say that there should be zero restrictions, they know how terrible that's going to make them look. That, that even abortion proponents understand that if I say I'm okay with aborting babies all the way up to nine months, I'm going to look barbaric. They know that. They know that. And, and so what's been, what's been interesting to see is pro-lifers are starting to say, we believe life begins at conception. We're going to err on the side of life, unapologetically so. But, but even in that, we at least 
are going to try to get a 15-week ban. We're willing to incrementally go with this. And the, the ones on the left are like, well, I'm not even going to talk about it because if I say there should be restrictions in, in somewhere, well, I'm going to cut off my far left base. So I have to go all in, but going all in, that there should be no restrictions at any point in the pregnancy. Then I'm going to cut off a large portion of America that's going, you really think that? Like, I can agree with you on a lot of things, but you think babies should be aborted at nine months? And, and so as I've seen different commentators and different uh, journalists ask these questions, and I, I've seen pro-abortion candidates start to squirm because they don't know how to answer. And it was really telling the other night when, when Warnock and, and Herschel Walker are debating, and, and I'll just be honest, I, I didn't think Herschel Walker would do good. He, he's not great in that setting. And then I read articles in the Post and New York Times, and I saw people tweeting saying he held his own. So if, if the left is saying that Walker held his own, that means Warnock lost the, the debate. Warnock says that he's a pastor. The church that, that he leads or works with has a low-income apartment complex where they're evicting people for as little as 20 bucks. They owe 20 bucks on back rent. They're evicting them. Warnock said there's only enough room in the exam room for a mom and a doctor, no one else. And Herschel Walker pointed out, well, there's also a baby in that exam room. You see, it's simple things like that. And then in Arizona, you have Blake Masters that uh, articulated the position. Well, look, I went after Blake Masters a, a few weeks ago because he whitewashed his website. He has kind of come back around and been able to articulate his position a little bit better. Look, you're going to have that throughout campaigns. You're going to say things that oh, I might have should have said it a different way. I might have should have handled that a different way. But it's how you respond. And he has responded well. And I hope he beats Mark Kelly. And then you have Carrie Lake running for governor in Arizona, and her, her opponent won't even debate her because she knows she'll lose. And so as, as much as I want abortion to be the issue, the reality is inflation and the economy, they're going to trump everything. Immigration. All those, all those issues right now, that's what's going to drive people to vote. And then what's happening in our schools, what's happening with the gender ideology that we're seeing as well. Those things are going to drive people to the polls. We'll talk more when we come back. Sometimes she runs, sometimes she don't. More than what she left me on the side of So earlier I mentioned what's happening in Michigan. Right now in Michigan you have uh, Governor Whitmer, who is the incumbent, running uh, obviously for her second term as governor of the state of Michigan. You have uh, Tudor Dixon, I believe is her name, is running against Whitmer. Uh, she's the GOP candidate. And you haven't really heard much from her as of late. Not just as of late, but I haven't heard. Look, I'm into this. I'm, I'm a political junkie, and I haven't heard very, I've heard very little from her throughout the campaign. But, but in recent weeks, somebody, I guess, has, has said, hey, we need to light a fire under you. We need you out in front. And so she's doing interviews now. She's being more vocal on social media. <clears throat> now, again, I can't vote for her. <clears throat> I can't vote in Michigan. And, and, you know, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, I don't live in Michigan, so I can't vote for her either. But we need folks like this to be vocal. That's the time we live in. That's where we're at. Uh, 
So we're paying attention to what's happening in Georgia. We're paying attention to what happened in Arizona and what's happening in Florida and what's happening in, in Michigan. Michigan, for the longest time, was a swing state. Michigan, for the longest time, leaned red. And, and over the last little bit, they have gone blue. And so having Governor Whitmer there uh, has, been, has been interesting, to say the least. And so this is a chance for the governor's office to flip, and we'll see what happens uh, in the legislature up there as well. But, but Michigan has a, a proposition that's going to be on the ballot in, in a couple of weeks that, uh, that I think deserves our attention. And this is over, uh, this is National Catholic Register, uh, wrote this piece and it, it says this, in an October 10th letter, all seven of Michigan's Catholic bishops highlight the wording of a proposal that will appear before voters November 8th. Let us be clear. If Proposal 3 passes, there will be no real limits on abortion or sterilization procedures in Michigan outside of an individual's voluntary consent. Michigan's Catholic bishops warned this week that a proposal to codify abortion in the state, which represents an immense threat to the dignity of human life, also would codify a right for minors to seek sterilization and gender transition procedures. In an October 10th letter, all seven of Michigan's Catholic bishops warned that the wording of a proposal that will appear before the voters on November 8th, known as Proposal 3, among other things, extends the right to, quote, sterilization to individuals of any age. Because the amendment also extends the right to sterilization to any individual regardless of age, a minor would be allowed to seek sterilizing drugs or gender-changing procedures in addition to abortion without parental knowledge or consent. Think about that. Without parental knowledge or consent. These bishops said, let us be clear, if Proposal 3 passes, there would be no real limits on abortion or sterilization procedures in Michigan outside of an individual's voluntary consent. And no matter how one feels about abortion, this proposed amendment goes well beyond what was allowed under Roe v. Wade. The proposal would also change our state constitution, which is much more consequential than any law. We urge you to read the proposed amendment and focus on the language. Words matter, particularly as they relate to constitutional amendments. Currently, in Michigan, women can obtain abortions for any reason before viability. After viability, abortion is permitted to save the woman's life. A near total ban on abortions, which, was, which has been part of Michigan state law since 1931 but is unenforceable under Roe v. Wade, is currently blocked in state court. Proposal 3, which has given rise to vigorous opposition from Catholics in the state, would establish new individual right to reproductive freedom. According to the text of the proposal, this includes the, quote, right to make and carry out all decisions about pregnancy, such as prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion, miscarriage management, and infertility. Allow state to regulate abortion after fetal viability, but not prohibit it, if medically needed to protect a patient's life or physical or mental health. Forbid state discrimination and enforcement of this right. Prohibit prosecution of an individual or a person helping a pregnant individual for exercising rights established by this amendment. Invalidate state laws conflicting with this amendment, end quote. The bishop's letter explains that the wording of the proposed amendment would repeal existing laws requiring informed consent for abortion and parental consent requirements for teens seeking abortion, as well as repeal existing laws requiring abortion facilities to be licensed and inspected for health and safety reasons. 
Further, the bishop said the proposal would allow anyone to perform an abortion and prohibit any legal consequences if a woman is harmed, allow for late-term abortions due to an undefined mental health exemption in the proposal, and define viability to apply only to children who can survive without extraordinary medical care. The bishops concluded, we cannot create a world where abortion is unthinkable without also creating a world in which all families receive the support they need. In addition to opposing Proposal 3, we call for your renewed dedication to supporting women in need who may find themselves involved in difficult pregnancies or crisis situations. With prayer, compassion, and material support, the Catholic Church, through its agencies and lay faithful, must be willing to walk with women in need to support them, their children, and their families before, during, and after pregnancy, end quote. The Citizens to Support Michigan Women and Children Coalition, which includes the Michigan Catholic Conference, advises pro-life voters to vote no on the amendment. So if you are in Michigan and you are a pro-lifer, vote no on this amendment. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your church, have your pastor talk about it. This is important stuff. This is how we got our state constitution changed in in Tennessee is we, on the ground, went and talked to our neighbors. We went and talked to pastors. We went and talked to churches, to to co-workers, and said, vote this way. And in Michigan right now, what you need to do if you're a pro-lifer is vote no on the amendment. In October 14th statement shared with uh, CNA, the group expounded on the dangers hidden in the proposal's language, including allowing minors to receive puberty-blocking drugs without their parents even knowing. Understand this. If the sponsors of this proposal wanted the individual fundamental right to reproductive freedom to only apply to adults, they would have written that. They could have used the word adult or individual over the age of 18 in their language, but they didn't. They fully intend for these new rights to apply to an individual of any age. If the authors of this proposal want any of these rights for minors to be conditioned on the consent of their parents, they would have written that. The sponsors of Proposal 3 have a radical agenda, but they are not stupid. They wrote the proposal exactly how they wanted it, and we're now exposing that agenda for all to see. Michigan is not the only state with abortion and potentially minor gender transition and sterilization on the ballot in November. In Vermont, abortion is already legal up until birth, but Constitutional Amendment Article 22, also known as Proposal 5, would enshrine personal reproductive autonomy for people of any age. And it goes on and on and on. And so as we think about this, there is a movement right now across our country that is attacking our children. Oh, well, you're, that's the sky's falling. That is high, you know. No, no, that's what's happening. There's a legislator in Virginia seeking to pass laws that allows for the state to step in If you, as a parent, are not affirming your child's gender. And when I say that it allows the state to step in, it means they can take your children from you if you refuse to call your little boy a little girl or your little girl a little boy. That's truth. That's what's happening. We have school systems across this country that are bringing in drag queens. Men dressed as women, twerking in front of your children. So I know that makes you uncomfortable to hear me say, but that's where we are. 
So when we see laws like this or amendments or, or proposals that refuse to put an age limit on anything. Look, when I was 15 years old, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very honest with you right now. When I was 15 years old, I wanted my ear pierced. And you know what? They wouldn't let me, as a 15-year-old, just get it done. I had to have a legal guardian signature. If you're under the age of 18 and you want a tattoo, you're going to have to have an adult sign off for that. If you're under the age of 16 and you want to drive, you can't. Unless you have your learner's permit, which means you have to drive with an adult. Yet we have kids nowadays, we have systems in place that are saying, if you think you're a girl or if you think you're a boy, we're not going to give you counseling. We're not going to walk with you through this process. We're just going to affirm whatever it is you want. And we're not going to tell your mom or dad. In the state of Michigan, they're saying, if you want abortion, we don't have to tell your mom or dad. Just come on in. Is that the future we want? We'll be back. So as we continue the conversation, look, what, what's happening in the state of Michigan, what's happening in the state of California, what's happening in the state of Vermont, what's happening in the state of Virginia. Look, I'll be in Virginia at the end of the week. I'm speaking at a pregnancy center event um, in Virginia. Look, folks, if we're not engaged in what's going on and holding these politicians accountable when they try to pass legislation that is ultimately virtue signaling, but it has long lasting ramifications. If that proposal passes in the state of Michigan, it has long lasting ramifications. If, if, that, per, if that piece of legislation passes in Virginia that says if you don't affirm your child's gender of choice, then we can take your child from you, or at the very least, we can investigate you. That has long-lasting ramifications. And so these are things that, that we need to be aware of. And we're even seeing things like this in the state of Tennessee. Look, when, when Roe was overturned, it made a federal issue a state and local issue, right? So for, for almost 50 years, the abortion issue was a federal issue. Sure, in, at the state level, we would pass different things, and we'll do yes on one in, in the state of Tennessee. We'll pass a trigger ban. We'll pass an ultrasound requirement. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll pass incrementally trying to, to overturn Roe, but ultimately it was a federal issue. June 24, 2022, Roe is overturned. It now becomes a state and local issue. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, some would say, well, in Tennessee, you don't have abortion. So what's the deal? You know, I mean, it, it's, it's already been taken care of in the state. Well, in, in many ways it has. But if the state legislature changes in Nashville, if our governor becomes a, a pro-abortion governor, all that can change. But it's not just at a state level, it's at a local level. Listen to this. This is over at WKRN there in Nashville. This is what's happening at a local level. Metro Council in Nashville pulled $500,000 from city departments, including police, to send money to Planned Parenthood. The money is now set to pay for things like sexual education and birth control. 
Yeah, I'm sure it's just going to pay for that. The Metro Health Department already offers family planning services, but last week the Metro Council voted to send $500,000 to Planned Parenthood. The health department asked for the money for itself, but according to its director, the impetus of Metro Council's action was less about family planning services than to make a political statement. Listen to what they just said. It isn't as if health departments across the board are typically leaning pro-life or, you know, they're supposed to be, you know, objective. Listen to what the health department said. The health department looked at the Metro Council and said in Nashville, we would like that money for us. We are a government agency after all. Scraping by. Underfunded underutilized, understaffed. We just came out on the other side of a pandemic. Health department workers have been uh, stretched, to say the least. And they go to the Metro Council in Nashville and they say, we would like that money to go to us so that we could provide care as needed. And the Metro Council said, nah, we're going to give it to Planned Parenthood. Why? Well, the health department said they believe it's because they were making a political statement, virtue signaling. Now, the council said I would push back pretty strongly against that association that that this is just a political issue. Yeah. Council member Freddie O'Connell said O'Connell sponsored the resolution that funded Planned Parenthood. I would dispute that, and I would contend that not only that Planned Parenthood, but other organizations that we worked with that we think are going to be the sub-recipients to some of this funding would say that funding is going to go directly to providing education and to supply materials and resources that would not have been likely without it. That's what O'Connell said. The funding of the grant was pulled from more than a dozen departments, including $90,000 from police, $60,000 from Parks and Rec. Councilman O'Connell said he wanted to fund this differently, but that is not what passed. When News 2 asked Metro's health department about what its director said, a spokesperson said, we are supportive of any plan that will support family planning and sex education efforts in our community, including this one, of course, because that's a political statement as well. You see, when you ask people on the ground that are just doing the grunt work, why do you think this happened? They give you an honest opinion. When you ask the spokesperson, you get political spin. So, so they, they pull money from the police department in Nashville. They pull money from the Parks and Rec. They pull money from other departments in Nashville to cut a check to $500,000 $500, to Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood that generates billions in revenue. They, they receive over $500 million a year from the federal government. As an organization, they, they spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on political ads. They make millions and millions and millions of dollars off of abortion. They make millions of dollars off of uh, transitioning people, of hormone therapy, giving testosterone to women. And the Metro Council in Nashville thought, you know what? They just don't have enough money. We need to give them more. Oh, but it has nothing to do with politics. 
If it has nothing to do with politics, why wouldn't you have given that to a pregnancy center in Nashville that's also teaching sex ed, that's also providing care to women? Was that up? Was that an option? If it has nothing to do with politics, why would you not just allocate those funds to the government agency that is the health department to teach sex ed and provide care for women and men? Why, why wouldn't you do that? If, if it's not about politics, why did Planned Parenthood come up at all? Because they are, by definition, political. But you see, this Metro Council, now again, I don't live in Nashville, so it's not my tax dollars. But this Metro Council took, if you're listening to this in Nashville, took your money and gave it to Planned Parenthood. So when I say this is now a state and local issue, that's what I mean. We're going to have local city councils. We're going to have local ordinances. We're going to have local political folks seek to move to fund and foster abortion environments. That's what they're going to do. You're going to have local municipalities say, well, if you can't get an abortion here, we're going to pay for you to go to another state. Well, if you work for the city and you can't get an abortion here, we're going to give you money to go to another state and get your abortion. You see, that's the direction they're going. So absolutely, we celebrate the overturning of Roe. It's a huge deal. It's monumental. It's historical. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. But the fight's not over. Even in a red state like Tennessee, the fight's not over. Even in a red county like Williamson County, the fight's not over. Even in Davidson County there in Middle Tennessee, the fight is not over. Because the abortion agenda never ends. And you couple that now with what I believe is the next major social issue is the gender ideology that we're seeing. Now, now we are somewhat on offense here as we're calling out these medical clinics, we're calling out these hospitals. Vanderbilt has openly said we're, we're going to stop performing gender transitioning surgeries on minors because the legislature threatened legislation that would make them stop, they have come out and said, we're going to stop, even before the General Assembly comes back into session in January. So we need to go on offense here, but, but we have to also understand that state and local level, when it comes to the abortion issue, just as conservatives, just as pro-lifers are getting creative in legislation, you better believe the abortion industry is going to get creative in legislation. They're going to get creative in funding when it comes to local municipalities. They're going to get creative in funding and pulling funds from different organizations in order to get the money where they want it to go so that abortion would become prevalent again, or at the very least so that their employees can go get abortions in other states. So we don't take our foot off the gas. We don't neglect what's happening at the state level just because we, we won a big victory at the Supreme Court on June 24th. No, we, we get engaged and, and understand what's happening around us. 
in grassroots efforts, just like what's happening in Michigan. Right now, we need a major grassroots effort in Michigan. We need churches to say, vote no on that proposal in Michigan. We need pro-lifers to come out. We need uh, the the candidate running for governor, Dixon, to to come out and be bold in her stance. We need a right to life of Michigan to, to get the word out. People need to know what's in these proposals. And so if you're in Michigan today, contact folks and understand what's happening there. Understand that you need to stand in for life. And if Proposal 3 passes in Michigan, there will be no real limits on abortion. So you need to vote the right way there in the state of Michigan, but not just Michigan, around the country at a state and local level. Understand what's happening in your backyard. We'll be back. When I miss the light, the night is stolen. When I'm so a lot of issues going around and, and things to talk about today. But just to sum it up, we... we When we look at the grand scheme, when we look at the midterms, what's important to people is going to be inflation, the economy. That's the top two. And then in no no particular order after that, it's going to be immigration, jobs. Abortion is going to be down on the list. That's just the reality. But here's what I need you as a pro-lifer, if you're listening to the show, a pro-lifer to think through. So the economy and inflation might get people to the polls, but still in front of them in the state of Michigan is going to be a proposal that enshrines abortion, even for minors, in that state. So after you vote your your pocketbook, after you vote your bank account, after you vote for freedom, then you need to be encouraging your friends to say, look, if this proposal passes, abortion is going to be unlimited uh, with no restriction in the state of Michigan. Do we want that? And it's also going to allow for uh, the sterilization of our children without parental consent. Do we want that? And so you should vote no on that proposal if you're in the state of Michigan. You need to hold your political candidates accountable in the state of Virginia that are trying to say that if parents do not affirm the gender of their child, whatever choice that child makes, then we can take your child from you. We, We should be against that piece of legislation. Certainly, we call parents to be good parents, good loving parents, but we don't ignore truth. If you're in the state of Vermont, they have a proposal that's going to be put in place that's going to push for abortion. If you're a pro-lifer in the state of Vermont, you should vote against that proposal. If you're in a local municipality and you live in the city limits, you need to understand what your city council is doing. Are they seeking to push an abortion agenda like they are in the state of, in the city of Nashville? Is the, is your Metro Council trying to reallocate funds from the police department to Planned Parenthood? $500,000 in, in Nashville's case. We need to know that these things are happening because guess what? You may not have a vote on that council, but you can decide who is on the council. So if there's a, a, a woman or a man that's bringing about legislation or, or ordinances that are going to reallocate funds, do you want funds reallocated from the police department to an abortion giant? 
Do you want uh, to support a council that's going to allocate funds from uh, the health department to an abortion giant? That's a question you have to answer. And if not, then maybe some of you need to run for local office. At the very least, maybe some of you need to go knock on doors, make phone calls. Talk to your friends, talk to your church, sit down with your pastor and say, look, I know we don't get political, but these are things that are happening in our society. What are we prepared to do? What are we prepared to say? Are we prepared to educate our people? And, you know, people will say, well, separation of church and state. First off, that's nowhere in the Constitution. Second off, we as gospel people, we're not told to sit on the sidelines. I put my faith ultimately in God, certainly unapologetically. So whatever happens, happens. But that doesn't mean I disengage. That doesn't mean that I just stop talking about the issues of our day. Because drag queen story hour is an offense to God. The sterilizing of minors is an offense to God. Abortion with zero restrictions is an offense to God. Seeking to take away kids from their parents because they don't believe in some kind of gender ideology that's being propagated in our communities is an offense. So that, that means we, we have conversations. That means we vote. Maybe you write letters. It means you... you hold political candidates accountable, it means maybe that for some of us listening, that means we put our name in the hat and we run for office. Maybe you have influence with some of those legislators and so are you having conversations with them? And not everybody's going to do that. But our voices need to be heard and they're only going to be heard if we speak up. And so as we continue to approach the midterms, look, our hope is not ultimately in the midterms. Of course not. Our hope is not in who holds the Oval Office or, you know, robed judges on the Supreme Court. No, but we, we engage in that because we do seek a better and uni more unified union. But look, our Constitution, all the founding documents mean nothing if we don't hold God in high regard. There is no moral compass without the God of the universe. So be engaged, be informed, and Lord willing, we'll talk to you next week.